joining us for another amazing message from C3 Church Calgary. Our hope is that our podcast will equip and connect you to Jesus. Now prepare your hearts to receiving something new from God today. Worshiping, I just uh, I kept seeing the, this uh, time-lapse photography in my in, over and over in my mind of a seed germinating and then opening up like this. And so, just that song has so much power about like the dry season's over. That's just got. I just feel like there's such a strength in that. I just want us to take a moment before we, um, just before we go any further. And I want to pray specifically over seeds that have not germinated or have germinated and died. And just pray for the resurrection power of Christ to, to, to bring brand new hope and promise to any hope that's been deferred, any, any seed that's been stalled in its development. Father, today, you know the hearts of men and women here today. Father, I just get this this deep sense of, uh, of sadness over seeds that didn't germinate from your heart, Lord, and, and uh, disappointment where life didn't go the way that we thought. But Father, you are the one that plants seeds of hope. Uh, you're the one that plants seeds of joy, seeds of peace, seeds of provision. Lord, we declare that you are the Lord of the harvest. And we just now speak to these dry seasons, Lord. We speak to the dry soil, and we speak to the dry seeds, Lord, that have just sat dormant. And today we call forth life in the name of Jesus. We call forth the resurrection life, Lord, for dreams that have died and hopes that have been set down. Father, we call forth your provision now to be seen. Lord, you are the Lord of the harvest. And I ask God that those seeds would germinate. We command them to germinate in the, the, the DNA in those seeds is to germinate and grow and then harvest would come. Father, we receive that rain today. We receive that rain to break the cycle of dryness, to break the cycle of dormancy, to break the cycle of barrenness. In the name of Jesus, we call forth the life of God in every seed that's been planted in faith today. In the name of Jesus. Beautiful. Lord, I thank you that your word is powerful. Yeah, and like a, it's like a seed, and it can and it can it can break it can break through stuff, Lord. It can. So we just declare that Your Word, Lord, has access to our hearts today. In the name of Jesus, Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you, worship team. What a great job uh, our worshipers do each week of bringing, ushering us into the presence of God. It's really great. Uh, Joe and Nola to see them together ministering together this morning. They lead the burn in Canada and there's, there's a 25 hour burn this weekend over at Southside Victory Church. So that's going on this weekend. Next. Oh, well, there it is. Uh, a great thing, another great thing, uh, Joe's mom is here, Corey Sinanen, who has been a phenomenal missionary in Trinidad and Tobago for how many years? 30. There you go. A legend. Thank you. <laughs> who would have known? She used to actually did visit our church when we were in Nippon. And who would have known that someday in the future that I would even be leading a church, let alone that your son would be worship leading in my church. And just amazing thing how the Lord makes stuff all work. And um, really grateful for, um, 
for servants like you. So good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. Got a really, really exciting word for you today about money. Man, oh man, it's good. Of course, this is my favorite service, right? Way, 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 way favorite. My, um, my, my, you're my favorite service right here. Um, the, um, the, today I want to talk about mindsets and strongholds around finances and um, try, to, try to minister that word to us. And um, I was just um, uh, yesterday going for ice cream with my granddaughter, and um, and I was just you know kind of curious about where she's at. You know, you poke around and asking about her day, and she said, "I just been watching movies on the deck on the iPad." And I said, "You know, Grandpa, uh, Papa here, he never had an iPad when he was growing up." And she goes, "Really?" I, well, I, I, then I said, "I said, well, we we hardly had a television." And she said, well, what did you watch? Because you have a, have a device, right, to watch with. And, and, I, and the, the other thing I said is, um, and you know what, we, had, we never had power windows, like, bzz, bzz, she said. Did, so did you get the window down by going like this? And I said, no. And she said, wow, no, you didn't have fresh air coming into your vehicles way back then? I, she said, were, were your cars old and rusty? And I go, no, they were actually kind of shiny, but they were, they were old-time cars, she said. Yeah, I said they were old-time cars, but stuff changes. Here's, a, here's my point I'm trying to make with that little illustration, though, is that sometimes our mindsets, they have a huge impact of how we view the world, specifically how we read Scripture. When you read the Scripture with a certain mindset, you'll read it a certain way. And so it's really important that we continue on a path of healing so that we can settle some of our identity issues and discover who we are in Christ and who Christ is in us. And by, by that, once we get our identity settled in who we are, we actually begin to see brand new things in Scripture. And, and so for many of us, um, myself specifically, um, the area of finances has come up over and over and over in my life. Um, it's one of those things which um, pastors typically don't like talking about, typically. Uh, but it's very clear to me that it's uh, important to every one of us. And one of the dominant questions that, that when people ask, what would you like your pastor to talk about? Well, they'd like to know, what's the Bible say about finances? Because we deal with them every day. And so I want us to take our Bibles and turn to uh, Mark chapter 10. And uh, I want to I talk about uh, trusting, trusting God with our finances. And I want to look at the rich young ruler, the young entitled millennial who had three things going for him. He was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. <laughs> um, let's just have a look at this because um, I'm really, really intrigued by what the, how the Lord went about this, this dialogue in his life. So Mark chapter 10, beginning reading verse 17, uh, as he started out on a trip, Jesus, so he's, he's walking, likely. Um, a man came running up to Jesus knelt down and said, good teacher, what should I do to get eternal life? So this is an interesting statement. Um, Jesus corrects him right away. He says, why do you call me good? And, and only God is good. What? In, in this culture, it was like they were, he was addressing him as master or rabbi. And uh, he called him good, meaning that I, I think what he was saying is that why do you, why do you he's trying to get at him, so, so you, you see me as a teacher. And but, but you need to see him as God. You see him as teacher. And so for us to understand how we get eternal life, it's not good enough that Jesus was a good teacher. He needs to be the way, the truth, and the life. 
He needs to be, there's one access point to the Father, and it's through Christ. And so he's making it clear that, that he's more than just a teacher. You can't say that Jesus was a good, a, a good teacher, but not God, because he claimed that he was God. So good teachers don't tell falsehoods. So he was declaring to him that he was more than good, he was God. So he said, only God is truly good. But as for your question, so he's dealing with how he addressed them, but as for your question, you know the commandments. Don't murder, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't testify falsely, don't cheat, honor your mother and father. So he drops the good now, and, this, and he said, okay, teacher, uh, I've obeyed, obeyed all of these commands since I was a child. So if he was Pinocchio, his nose would have grown at this point. Because the Bible says that no one has been able to fulfill all of the commands. And so he, he, what Jesus is getting at is he's trying to help him to understand that not only has he broken some of the commands, clearly, I think, command number one and command number ten, uh, to have no other gods before you, because he's just about to poke on this soft spot around what his God is, and secondly, not to covet, which was, which was the tenth commandment. So he says, well, I've, I've obeyed all those since I was a child. So here we see he's clearly deceived. And he's, Jesus is getting at the heart of the issue. So many times when we talk about money, it actually exposes uh, our heart. So he says this, he says, well, Jesus felt at this point, he said, Jesus felt genuine love for this man as he looked at him. Uh, if anybody's looked into the face of Jesus, his eyes, apparently, any, my vision of Christ, I've never, I've had a few little, mm, you know, whatever, I think I might have seen him. Uh, but, but when people have face-to-face encounters, they talk about his eyes and the warmth and the love and the acceptance. He says he, he felt genuine love. Okay, Jesus isn't mad at, at the rich young ruler at all. He feels genuine love for him. As he looks at him, he says, you lack only one thing. But he actually tells him to do like three things. So you lack only one thing. Go and sell what you have, give your money to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven, and then come and follow me. At this, the man's face, he's still looking at Jesus, right? At this, the man's face fell, and he went sadly away because he had many possessions. Uh, Probing thought, because he's getting at the heart the motives of this man's heart. When we talk about money, the real deal about money, money is amoral. M- money is, uh, in, in, in God's economy, it's like, it's like he doesn't need any money. We're the ones that need money. It's our currency. Um, you can't buy anything from God because God doesn't have anything for sale. So it's not, it's not the currency of heaven. So I'm quite interested in, in, in personally of, of my, are my, are my mindsets and are my beliefs about finances and or prosperity and or abundance and or wealth, are they the same as Jesus's? And are, is my heart aligned with his? Because talking about finances and when we talk about finances, it often stirs up areas in our heart and particularly our beliefs in money. So I've, I've started with um, looking over four specific things. First of all, uh, the thing I spoke on a couple weeks ago was on stewardship, that God owns everything, and we are simply managers. And uh, uh, so, so stewardship, having a stewardship uh, mentality. May I say that there's no principle in, on finances in the, in the Bible that will work unless you understand, first of all, that we are owner, that, that he is the owner, and we're simply managers, and we've been given a trust, and finances are, are ours to steward. The second thing is diligence, hard work, how important it is 
to, um, I can tell you how to make money, get a job, that's how you make money, and, and then you do something with your hands, because he says, I want to bless the work of your hands, I'll bless the work of your hands. So your hands got to be put to something more than the remote control. You've got you to engage in something, you got to do stuff, right? Last time I checked that, money trees uh, are not, don't work. It doesn't just fall from heaven, and I've never got a check that was signed Jehovah Jireh. You have to work for your money, right? And he, but he does say that is he, that's who he is, is that he is our provider, right? El Shaddai, not El Chipo. So the, we are, stewardship mentality, diligence we need to work. And the third thing is around our mindsets and how we, and how we think and our attitudes and beliefs as critical factors in dealing, in dealing with money. So point number one is that God is our source. In Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18, um, it, Moses is preparing them for entering into the promised land. And he says this, always remember that it's the Lord your God who gives you power to become rich. Uh, my translation I study in um, is to prosper. Another one says uh, to get wealth. Uh, and he does it to fulfill the covenant that he made with his ancestors. It's kind of like he said, I'm going to prosper you. And when people look at you, it'll be proof that we're in covenant together. This is, this is a, a huge statement. He said, when, when people see that you're in covenant with me, they'll see that you are blessed. One of the best ways that we can help our world is to be blessed and then be a blessing, right? One of the worst things you can, the, uh, the best way to help the poor is not become one. So you have resources to be able to help. But that's part of the, the deal is we, there's a purpose in prosperity that we can prove his, his covenant, that we're in relationship with him and we use the finances to bless others and to help the poor and to help the needy and to reach the lost. And, and that, that proves that we're in covenant and in relationship with him. Now, now, this is interesting to me because it's not enough for us to realize that God is our source, but we also have to ask him, what do we do with the provision once he gives it to us? And so I, I was thinking about how, uh, what happened after this when they entered into the promised land. He says, you're going to be there and you're going to actually be able to, uh, they're going to harvest crops that you didn't even plant. Why? Because I'm your provider. I, I got somebody else to plant them for you, but you get to enjoy it. He said, you're going to live in homes that you didn't even build. Now there are giants in the land. So, these, so, so they're entering into land where, land where there's Nephilim. Houses built by Nephilim, by giants. I think that's cool because these like, the houses are going to be like, right, nine-foot doorways. Not like in the pubs in England where you, not, not Hobbitville, like it's where you're, you're going to inherit giant houses. I think that's cool. And there's going to be no rocks in the land. You're not going to have to pick roots or pick rocks. Has anybody had to pick rocks as a boy? Lord, yeah. And then, and then the next year, and then the next year, and they don't go away. Right? Just like acne. So they, what happens it, when you break land is there's, you know, you got to get the roots out and you got to the, get the rocks out. And it never ends. He says, you're going to enter into a place where the rocks have already been picked and where the vineyards have already been planted and you just get to harvest. He was preparing them. He said, but don't forget, I want you to remember this. I'm the one that gives you the ability to do that. I'm the source. Um, I love that passage. Um, I didn't read it in the first service because this is my favorite service. Um, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, it says, what makes you any better than anybody else? What do you have that God hasn't given you? See, see if we, unless we understand, you understand that we've been, we were born in one of the most prosperous nations in the entire world. Did you have anything to say in that? No. But you got to enjoy it. You're getting to enjoy it now, right? Because this is, God is the source of your ancestry. 
This is phenomenal. But you know, Pastor Lauren, I work very hard. Yeah, yeah, who gives you the blood moving through that heart system of yours so you can move your hand and get up and get going in the morning? Uh, the principle I'm trying to illustrate here is that God is our source. And we can't be boasting about all our good work, even though it's important that we work hard. Are you, are you right? So we, I'm working, this is a two-edged sword. So he said, and if you, and if all you have is from God, why boast as though you have accomplished something on your own? Here's what we have to come down to. God is our source. And, and, and so he, he takes the, um, it's like, like the, the Israelites were, were, you know, thinking they were all that because they were offering all these sacrifices in Psalm chapter 50. And, uh, and the Lord comes, to, comes to, to deal with them. He said, I don't have any complaints, verse 8, about your sacrifices or your burnt off offerings that you constantly bring to me. This is interesting. It's as if the Lord needed a dead goat. No, but we're doing you a favor by bringing you this dead, charred bull. He goes, no, no, he said, I, I don't want your bulls from your barns. Uh, I don't want your goats from your pens. For all the animals of the forest, they're already mine. He said, if I needed a goat, I'd just go get a goat. You, you like goat? You get a goat. He, he goes, every bird in the mountain, all the animals of the field, they belong to me. If I was hungry, I, would, uh, uh, I wouldn't mention it to you. For all of the world is mine. I don't need bulls for sacrifice. I don't need the blood of goats. Uh, what, I, what I want instead is I want, I want your heart. That's what he wants. So what they were doing is they were going through all the motions of doing the sacrifices but they were not connecting their heart to what the sacrifice was for. And of course, all of the, the old sacrificial system was pointing us ultimately to the one who would sacrifice his life for us. This is amazing. He said, don't just go through the motion. When, a, when the offering plate comes, don't just take your money and put it in. Connect your heart to it, because now what we give, we give out of a certain motive. He said, I want your heart. I don't need your sacrifice. I want your heart. It's amazing to me. I was reading between the service. Um, a scripture came to mind from Matthew, uh, Acts chapter 10 and verse 30. Uh, the, uh, the Lord was speaking to Cornelius, and he said, he said this. He said, your prayers and your alms have come up before me. What? He, the Lord was able to see what he was, his giving. I know he's supposed to store treasures up in heaven, but isn't that a phenomenal thing? Your giving, actually, I not just hear your prayers, but I'm seeing your, 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 what you're giving. This was quite convicting for me. So here's the point I'm trying to make, is that God is our source. That's what I'm trying to say. And he doesn't need dead animals. He's not short on bulls. He's, he's like, not only is he owned the cattle on a thousand hills, he owns the hills too. It's all, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Here's the point we're coming to. Are we his or not? If we're his, then he's our, the source of everything. And that's, the, that's where I want to get to our mindset around, around that he is our source and that we need to, to show our trust and dependence, and that's why we give. Uh, the point number two about striving and stress, if you think you're the one that has to provide all the time, you'll become very stressed out by that. If you think it's really ultimately completely up to you and that you're not partnering with the Lord, one of my de best definitions of stress is trying to control something you don't have any control over. It'll drive you crazy. And then here's what'll happen is that then all of a sudden when, when it's time to give something away, you'll go, hold it, that's messing with my budget rather than I'm participating with a greater principle. You see, so then now you get stressed. It's good. Offering time or you want, you, you want to give, you want to do something, uh, you know, by giving some gifts, you go, just a minute, this isn't right. If I give that away, then I don't have it. Whereas the Lord said, if you actually want to receive something, you have to learn to give it away. It's a kingdom thing. Because what happens in the Lord's economy is different than what happens in Calgary's economy. 
And he says, what I want to do is provide for you based on my economy, not your economy. I want to supply your needs according to my riches, not according to the index of oil in your community. So he says, I need you to get into my sphere of thinking and understand that I am the source and, and that, that our heavenly economy. So, so I found that for me, and you've heard me say this a number of times, that we only really believe the passages of scripture that we practice. And so how you practice this, this, this truth is critically important rather than just what we make, what we're saying. Yeah, God's my source, God's my source. Yeah, how can you prove that? How do you know? Well, because of the way I function like that. And so it's the truth that is incarnated into our life. Point number two, I want to, uh, three, I guess I'm talking about, I want to say something about tithing. And uh, a tithe, um, um, a tithe is a tenth. Most, m- most of you know that. A tithe means a tenth. Um, so if you give 15%, you're giving 15%. It's not a tithe. And you know, so, so here's what I want to say about tithing. I've tithed ever since I've been a believer as best I know. Um, but I've always had some, a little bit of, I've had, a, I've had a little twinge when I've read through that passage in Malachi about, about when you don't tithe, or you've robbed me with your tithes and offerings, and therefore you're cursed. I, I honestly believe that it's uh, unscriptural to believe that, that m- God's love for me is based on my performance. And that, and that it, so, uh, so I find, I found those hard uh, to reconcile. So, so when I read through, I don't think any honest believer can read through 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and, and still believe that tithing is obligatory or that's an obligation. So he says here, remember this. Another thing to remember. When the Lord says remember this, you know what we should do? Remember this. Uh, a farmer, he's referring to a farmer, principal, who plants only a few seeds gets a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You, you must each make up your own mind as to, as to how much you should give. Everybody needs to make up their own mind. You make up your own mind. And don't, don't give reluctantly. One version says grudgingly. How would I give grudgingly? Here's how I would start to give grudgingly if it was a demand. And, it, uh, and if I didn't do that, I'd be punished. Are you listening to me? So this is why we have to, what's he, what's he going for? Should I, should I tithe? I think that 10% is a great starting point for giving. I think it's a perfect starting point, but the minute I do it out of obligation, it's not like, like a hush money. It's like, it's like not God my father, but the Godfather. I'm, I'm, if I don't pay, I get punished. Do you, do you see what can happen? I'm going to give grudgingly. This is what will happen to me. I'm just saying I'm a simple guy. I got a one-syllable name. My name is Lorne. I'm just a basic guy, uh, right? Come from Nippon. And, just here, here, that's what I, and I'm saying, how, how, can, how, how does this work? How can I give cheerfully and not grudgingly if I, haven't, if I, if I don't? Because why do we give? We give out of appreciation for what Christ has done for us. Where to give, it says God loves a cheerful giver. Can I just say God loves whether you're cheerful or not? He loves you. He loves a cheerful giver. He loves a grumpy giver. He loves somebody who doesn't even give because he just loves. But the point is he's referring to here is how can I get your motivation working right that you don't give grudgingly because you think you can buy a blessing. You can't buy a blessing. They're not for sale. But what you can do is you can align your heart with the King of Kings. You can be moved by the Holy Spirit and be moved by faith and God will bless your faith because it comes from our heart. Have I said this loud enough, long enough? Are we getting it? It's pretty straightforward, but this is a big deal because our mindsets, the way that we look at stuff, the way that I I look at stuff and how my heart's connected, that is very critical in how we give. So he says this, that you must each make up your own mind 
as to how much you should give. Make up your own mind. Don't let me make up your mind for you. When somebody says, you know, I'm not sure if I got the faith to give 10%, I say, okay, well, give five. Give two. It's not, this isn't, this is not do this or you're punished. There's no curse coming at you. The curse went at Christ, and he absorbed every curse in the cross. That's what took place, right? So now we give from a different motive. We give out of a different spirit. And if you want to give 5%, if you, that's not a tithe, it's 5%. If you, want to, if, you want, if you want to tithe, double tithe, triple tithe, it's, a tithe is simply a tenth. But here's how we're to give. We're no, not to give uh, because somebody else made up our mind for us. We're to give because we've made up our own mind, and in our hearts, uh, we're happy to do this. You know what it means? It means like you got a little uh, happy dance on the inside when you give. That's what it means. Okay, and so you're to give gen- uh, uh, not reluctantly, for God loves the person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all of you need, and then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share. This is why we're blessed, so we have plenty left over to share. So God blesses us, and it starts to run over, fills my cup, running over, and it says, and then, and then at verse 10, for God is the one who gives seed to every farmer or seed to every sower. So our motivation to tithe is out of love. We tithe not because of a law, but because of a grace. We tithe out of a grace in our hearts, right? And I, and I know that when we've, um, when I was, I've been taught this over and over and over, and something didn't quite sit really good in my heart when they would talk about, when the teachers had taught me anyway, would say that if you don't tithe, you're going to be cursed. And uh, if you read the verse, it says that you've robbed me with your tithes and your offerings, not just your tithes. And offerings, when you calculate offerings in the Old Testament, it's much, it's, it, it's like probably in the 30s or the, almost the 40 percent. I read one commentator that says offerings the, that were meant were about 34 to 36 percent. So, so you robbed, he said, if you robbed me of both tithes and offerings. So I go, well, hold on, what's going on here? I thought I'm cursed if I only I didn't give the 10%. And it never quite made sense until I got all this Jesus stuff and Holy Spirit stuff and, and Scripture stuff. And I go, that's right, I'm supposed to make the decision of how I want to give. It's not an obligation, and I won't be, I won't be punished if I don't, if I don't tithe uh, because I'm going to give out of a cheerful heart and I'm going to give out of that motive, all right? So God's the one who gives us the power to prosper, and, uh, and I found that in my life, when you meet people who are mature in their faith, and I haven't, I've met many people who are immature in their faith, M- many, uh, too many, immature in their faith, and their lives are like this, up and down, up and down, up and down. But when you find somebody who's a m- mature in their faith, they're either c- giving at least, they're at least giving a tithe, they re- are return- giving a tithe, or at least, or else they're at least generous. And here's what I know about generosity. Generosity changes lives. I know it does. And, even, and when we say it's more blessed to give that to, than to receive, you wonder, who's the blessing for? Well, because I find, right, I can't, I can't seem to outgive God. When I try, I, when I, right, and, I, and I, here's, what, here's what happens. I actually, we've done this a number of times, we have trouble catching up all these other little blessings that are all of a sudden flowing in. Two weeks ago, I prayed for lost stuff that was lost, right? So, right, and then we had, we had a little thing like that. I went home and, and, and I go, um, that on, the next morning, I somehow was looking, I was cleaning up my old emails, which I really do, and I came across an insurance claim that I had claimed, but I had not, uh, they, hadn't, they were gonna forward me um, money for uh, a rental car while my truck was getting fixed, and I go, 
hey, they never sent that. I give her a little call and she said, I sent that right away. Why haven't you received it? It must be lost. Let me just send that on out to you. And I go, well, doggies. <laughs> like out of nowhere. God wants to bless you. This is a big deal. The enemy wants to take from you, steal, kill, and destroy. But God wants to bless you. And are you ready to receive the blessing? That's, that's basically the point. So, so I do find that tr- following God and trusting God is actually connected to how I handle finances. Now, listen to me if you want a little bit more conviction on top of that. Luke chapter 16, and it's a very complicated parable. Uh, I honestly find it complicated, but I'll probably have to preach on it next week because the Lord's stirred it all up on me. But I just want to say chapter 16 and verse 10 where it says, unless you're faithful in small matters... You won't be faithful in large ones. What's he referring to with small matters? So, he, so this actually can be used if you've been faithful in a certain area, then the, you can get a promotion. But he's specifically talking about finances. That's what the context is. So, he's, but, and so it says, uh, if, you, if you cheat even a little, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. If you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, what's he talking about? He's, money. If you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches? I'll tell you, you know, there's some things that are more important, many things more important than money, right? Probably the definition of wealth is having those things that money can purchase. I was thinking this yesterday, how blessed I am that I have, you know, a a wife that loves me and uh, kids and I got, you know, relative, um, you know, sanity and I got so many things that are, they're, right, they're priceless, right? Some stuff is priceless. Health is priceless. And you'll pay pay all kinds of money to get you, right? But, but, and it's more important than, than money. So he says, I, I think he's connecting. Okay, so let me just, as, as if you're, and, and if you're untrustworthy with worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? And if you're not faithful with other people's money, who's he referring to? The, the Lord's money that he's trusted to us. If you're not faithful with other people's money, why should you be trusted with money of your own? Okay. Uh, this, this passage um, blows my mind. He calls, one version it calls this if I, about the least. That finances actually, can I just, I want to say it this way, is, is the least the least, um, uh, the lowest form of wealth would probably be finances. And the highest form of wealth would be like peace of mind and, and assurance of eternity, all these other things. So Jesus, I'm just about to wrap it up here with this, the, the rich young ruler. Because he's saying, what can I do to have something that's priceless? He said, he said you need to remove that little God from your life, the small g, of finances. I, if, I can, if, you can, if I can trust you with finances, I can trust you with the really, really important things in life. If I can trust you with that, I, I believe that's what he's saying. And so, he's, so he, he comes to the rich young ruler, and I'm just going to uh, wrap up with this passage right here. He's coming to the rich young ruler, and he said, uh, the lowest form of wealth is, is, um, is, is money. And so he says, what do you want to do to have an eternal, what, do you, what can I do? What do I need to do to have things that are priceless? He said, I need to be able to trust you with finances. Can I trust you with finance? If I can trust you with finances, if you can see that I'm the source, and I help you can see, if I can help you to pry your bony little fingers off of those finances for a little bit, I want to bless you. But I can't when you have two gods going on in your life. So that's what he was trying to do. And I just love how the, his, the, love, the love that he had for this young man, it says, in my version, it says, Jesus felt genuine love for this man. Well, all of this, all of this, he says he went away sad, uh, he went away sad, 
because he had so many possessions. These possessions had a hold of him. And so his disciples now began asking him questions. Well, then what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, what about this? And, and Jesus answers the question. Peter finally, uh, he says he mentioned, uh, mentioned all, all, he said, us and the other disciples, we've given up everything to follow you. Right? Here's the kicker. Jesus replies, I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times over. What was he trying to, this rich young ruler, here, here, was the, here was what he was walking away from, an opportunity to be blessed a hundredfold. That's what he was, that's what he was walking away from. Jesus, Jesus wasn't trying to get something from him. He, wasn't, he didn't need his possessions, right? Some people, got, some people got this idea that Jesus was poor and like lived under a bridge or something. He traveled with his own accountant. Like he, he was not short. When he needed money, he went fishing. When I want to lose money, I go fishing. Per ounce, those fish are expensive. That's what I found. So, so what is he doing? He said, here's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to bless you. And then he goes, then he finishes the passage by saying this, and in, so what you're going to do, and you'll receive now a hundred times over houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and property, and in the world to come, they will have eternal life. So here, what must I do to have eternal life? He says, here's what you need to do. You need to trust me with your heart. You need to allow me to sit on the throne of your heart. You need to be able to trust me with your finances and trust me with your future. And if you do, you watch, I will open up heaven for you and I'll pour out a blessing a hundredfold. That's what I'll do. This is a wonderful, wonderful story. And this is a wonderful, wonderful life. <laughs> Someone was thinking that. Okay, now. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the opportunity to be offended. Our lack of trust in God financially will affect our walk with God fundamentally. So he says, I'll give seed to the sower. So I want to put the word of the Lord and your heart to the test. And I want us to consider this. Because I've heard such a great story. And I, didn't, I can't find out, I can't remember where I found it but this guy said Lord he wanted to give and he said Lord if you'll give me the ability I'll give and he was uh, I think the Lord was asking or the, the, the need was like it was huge it was $400,000 and he said okay Lord if you will I will and it was, quite a, it was quite a thing so here's what happened to him he lost his job and he got, and he got um, an increase of 200% on, uh, on his rehire and then he got stock options for, uh, you know, a hundred and some thousand. And then something else happened, something else happened. And he ended up, he looked there and he goes, I've got $400,000 that he never thought he would have. But he, then he remembered his little promise he makes the Lord. Oh, I will if you will. Here's my question to you. If you had, if the Lord gave you in the next three months $1,000, would you sow it and give it back to him? Would you? I'm talking with you about your heart now. Think about this. Because you have to look for it. But if you will, he will. Because he says, I'll give seed to sowers. If you will, he will. So this is a big thing. Because I'm going to ask you in a moment to, make it a show, to, to do a show of hands. If he, over the next three months, you've got you to pray and you've got to watch. Good things to do together. Watch and pray. So you've got to have your eyes open. 
So if he, the Lord, blessed you with an extra $1,000, I'm tempted to say specifically that you see a 1,000 show up, but I, I, that would be foolhardy. I think that's pushing it. Because I, I'm surprised how the Lord, because he wants to bless us. But he wants, to, he wants to get something through you, not just to you. He wants you to be a blessing as well. I'd like to say that would you give it to the Rise and Build Fund. I'm not making that contingent. If he gives you an extra $1,000 in the next three months, will you give it away? Yeah, but Lauren, you don't know my... No, no, I'm not talking about that. I know we all got bills. But here's what I'm asking. If he gave you, over the next three months, an extra $1,000, would you give it back to him? Would you do that? That's my challenge. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask the band to come. And I'm going to ask you all to stand, everybody. And I want to take just a just about just a twenty seconder, because I know what happens in our hearts when Christ comes into our hearts. We want to give. I knew when I got saved, I wanted to give, not just not just money. Actually, it got, it got a little bit sticky when it came to money, and it still and it still does. I, when we wrote out a rise and build pledge, as soon as I handed it in, I said that's not enough. And, um, and so we, so Kel and I are working at doubling and tripling that. It was just for us, but this, well, for us it was like, okay, we're just going to believe the Lord for an extra $2,500. Wrote it up. And then I go, that's not enough. And, and so here's what I've done. I said, okay, Lord, I'm looking to you as my provider and my source because you own it all. How would you like me to steward the resources you've given to me? So if you're here, well, I know you're here. You're here this morning. Those of you who are here, I'm speaking to you. Um, if you would be willing to give that $1,000 that the Lord blesses you with back to him, I want you to just raise your hand quickly so I know who you are. Okay, fun, okay. Jesus, your word does not return void. And I know you're the one that gives us the power and the ability to prosper. That means not only are we willing to do stuff in partnership with you, but we're willing to open our eyes to see how you're gonna provide for us. So Father, I'm just standing in front of the people I love, taking the word that I love, and sowing it in good soil. And I ask for each one to raise their hands, Lord, that you would provide for them more than a thousand but let it be a thousand so we know and i thank you lord today for the supernatural provision for these homes i thank you that we can break that spirit of poverty that's that that limited thinking that father you today want to bless your people so i declare today lord the blessing and favor on your people to see as jehovah jireh the lord whose provision shall be seen that they will see this has come from your hands and they will cheerfully cheerfully not grudgingly but cheerfully sow it back in the name of jesus amen amen well give the lord a hand all right if you don't know christ as savior we would like to welcome you to come to the front come over and meet with a counselor we want to we want to pray for you uh, to receive christ if you uh would like prayer for dedication rededication if you need prayer for healing we've got a, a red hot prayer team that's ready to lay their hands on you God bless you, everybody. If you want prayer, please come forward through those doors. Walk supernatural overcomers. And I thank you today for being together with us. And we just love you. And, uh, and have an awesome week. I'm just a little bit mixed up right now. But I love you all. God bless you. Have a great week. You're released.
message has impacted you. For more information about what's going on, please check out our website at myc3church.ca. Now go change your world.